James, we're here. Um, you've got yourself a glass of water, and I've got myself a little Red Bull. <laughs> it's it's really a medium Red Bull. It's a 12-er. It's that a little one would be an 8, or a big one would probably be a 20. And so I've got a medium bowl. You've got what looks to be a medium glass of water. I'd say so. We've got, um, tell you what, we'll, we'll mix measurements. I've got half a pint of water <laughs> we've got a 12er of red bull it's a little bit of a transatlantic thing we've got going on there which is uh, fitting because uh the movie that we're covering today uh we start we start in america and we make our way over to europe uh where things are a little different and things get a little twisted um so uh this is your this is the juice uh it is a podcast where i talk with my friends and uh, other musicians and artists that I look up to about their favorite movie. Uh, this is James's second time on the podcast, but first time talking about a movie because of the first time was the first annual 2020. It was the 2023 first annual Juicy's Award, which you're you're. I hope you're preparing for uh, this year's, which will be in 2024. This year's being this year's music. Next year's episode for the 2024. Uh, yeah. The juiciest. You get it. You get it. Uh, and it was great. It was great. And this will be perhaps even better. I hope so. I've got, uh, uh, I've got a good feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you, are you, have you been, uh, have you had the juicies in the back of your mind while listening to music at all? I routinely keep uh, iPhone notes um, across the year to remember what I've enjoyed so that when it comes to end of year lists, I've got uh, my notes already. Um, big fan of lists. Yep. And um, I like sharing music with people where I can. I used to be a lot better at it, but um, but yeah, I do have the list prepared, um, and I look forward to it as well. It's gonna be yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see um, how things compare this time around. I think we're gonna have both have that Caroline Polachek record on our list after my uh, my I've been obsessively listening to that thing. It's insane. No doubt. Yeah, I'm just waiting for I pre-ordered like uh, a pressing of the LP to come to a local record store here, like yeah. probably back in February. And it's Ugh. still not arrived. Um, I've been told it's going to be a couple of weeks, but I can't wait to listen to it on vinyl. Yeah, it's going to be sick. That that rocks. Um, All right. So enough music. We're talking movies today. We're talking movie today. We're talking what is the juice for you today? What's the juice for you, uh, the talented Mr. Spence? Mike, for me, the juice is the talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, sick. So this is a um, this is a '90s blind spot. My buddy Kevin was texting me about it like uh, last month, and he was like, uh, "You got to do this, talented Mr. Ripley." I finally did it. It's been on a blind spot for me for for ages. And I said, "This is a plan because you've you told me." half a year ago if not more that that is the the one that you would want to do it, it it wasn't i feel like when i usually ask people they're between a couple of movies i feel like you were pretty decisively it's going to be the talented mr ripley um and it's it's a really good pick for favorite movie it's in my 
personal favorite decade for movies i i think the 90s is like at least my most comforting it's a weird um blend of like there's some really just really great stuff starting to happen um in terms of like the and this somewhat slots into it the like um not that it's necessarily funny but kind of that dark comedy uh coen brothers type stuff this kind of is adjacent to it sits right beside it um the uh the the m night Shyamalan uh twist fever that everyone got um yeah right and i think a lot of it the the 90s generally it kind of feeds into maybe um pre-internet being everywhere and yeah. i think a period of time where twists could stay twists unless someone personally spoiled it for you because yeah. you've not got everything going online straight away um and me too. I think this kind of like late 90s period of cinema, like a lot of movies that I absolutely love were made then. Um, I don't know how much of that, again, is to do with it sort of predating the internet being so yeah. definitive to everyone's lives. I think like less things were probably being pirated and shared in a mass way. So more yeah. money was being spent on things like this. And yeah, the excitement of DVDs coming out and waiting for that. Yeah. I mean, you're still a big fan of buying DVDs anyway. But um, oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was like a really, really big thing at that point. And I think a big thing for me with this was um, this kind of like, was a really, really, this film particularly, I remember from something that we used to do um, with my family all the time, which was going to like a local rental video store and oh, yeah. renting. And this was something that um, I believe if I'm remembering correctly, because I mean, back in, this came out in 99, I would have been 11 then, must have watched it a couple of years after that. I don't think my mum would have let me watch this then, but maybe she would, who knows. Right at um, the cusp of that age where it's like being able to watch something like this. Right, and we had this uh, local video store, uh, like a really small independent one, and the people that owned it would always recommend things for us to rent. And this was definitely a film we were recommended to, to rent from them. Um, I remember they had like, the promo poster for the film, which they used to give us promo posters oh, for awesome. various things. And yeah, that's kind of how I remember this film kind of coming into my consciousness. And I had to really, really reach back for that memory this week while I was preparing for the podcast. Sure. Um, it's made me feel really nostalgic in a really, really good way. Well, uh, I, I, I feel like every episode, I kind of try and twist and make the, uh, the format of this just a little bit better until I really hit my stride. I feel like I'm finally kind of getting a little somewhere with it I, I i start usually by asking kind of background about movies and stuff like that i mean you kind of got into something that i like to talk about which is like young when you're first uh kind of being it's it's one of those things where when you're young and you're showed a movie you're just happy to be watching a movie usually you're like this is great i am uh, uh escaping reality with this very interesting storytelling you're not thinking of it like that you're just like this is this is fucking great i have uh candy and popcorn and a movie in front of me um what's your first like uh real conscious growing up uh this is my movie i like movies like this kind of moment i mean are you talking like as a young adult or as i mean i i, I want i want to briefly if you're if you have one that you're really fond of as a kid let me know about that but yeah growing up kind of like when you're first like like my big my big one that i always go to is like the the eight nine ten kind of 
my dad's like, uh, it's just us tonight. We're going to watch Aliens or Predator or The yeah. Thing, that kind of thing. And then you form kind of your own, you branch off from there what you're shown and kind of get your own kind of style. So I suppose one answer to that would be The Goonies. Cool. Um, I used to spend time in the summer staying with my cousins and I remember that they had it on VHS and I can remember watching that just every summer for a right. few years, uh, like to the point I knew it beat by beat. Yeah. Um, I suppose, and I guess this is actually quite relevant in a way, given um, the band that I play in, but probably the movie LA Confidential. Um, sure. I think sort of that kind of thrillery, noir storytelling. Um, I mean, obviously that was done on a huge budget and... right designed to reach like to have mass appeal ultimately huge um, blockbuster huge but i remember that film and it sort of yeah having a bit of a an impact on me at the time and it's it's like a huge blockbuster that kind of divides that line between like popcorn movie and like like now big blockbusters are generally a little less thoughtless than something like LA Confidential which is here's a big movie that actually is kind of telling an interesting story as opposed to retreading a story with characters that we've known for decades kind of thing. I think that's it and again I, I I suppose I can relate that to the film we're going to talk about um in that I love movies that have ensemble casts and like yeah a lot, a lot of characters. I think LA Confidential does that. And I think the talented Mr. Ripley does that as well. Mm. Um, like you said, it just, I think as a young adult, it just felt smart. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. At, the, at the time, in the context of other things that I'd seen, it just felt like a movie for adults. Yeah, And I think when you're kind of at that impressionable age and you sort of want an access point into, into something a bit more developed, that kind of, it that did it for me at the time, definitely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, great pick, great movie. Um, all right, let's let's just because I think we're both kind of eager to talk about this movie. One more before I move on to this movie that I've had a lot of fun with. Uh, what is your last tour movie experience like? I feel like we've been on tour f three or four times together now. I think it's four actually. Uh, two in the states, two in Europe, um, and we. Uh, I, like from when we first started to get to know each other, um, we, we one of the first things we talked about was outside of. I, I feel like uh, it's 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 kind of like the big ones with us. It's like uh, it, James. It's kind of like a perfect friendship. We've got sports, music, movies. Uh, it's it's kind of like a little bit of everything, right? So yeah, yeah. It, it, and so uh, I don't think we've ever had the opportunity to see a movie on tour on an off day. Um, the, the closest we came was last tour when we were planning on going to see, going to see Jaws, uh, some re-release of Jaws, but then the Dow boys, uh, their insane bus broke down and they yeah. had to, uh, go van mode. So we had to help them out. Do you have, uh, what's your last like movie kind of, uh, memory from, from a tour that you've done recently or not recently? Whatever. Um, I think I'm trying to think what the answer to that would be. I think I'm confusing um a, a very recent memory i have of being on holiday and every night that i put the tv on like before i was about to go to bed 
the movie Titanic was on just at a different point. <laughs> but like, I never got to see this. This was over the course of like two weeks. But I never got to the point where the ship sank and it was really annoying. Um, but yeah, I think that was when... Uh, they that was a holiday. But um, honestly, I can't really think of anything that's super relevant. Like, I don't... I can't think of an instance ever where I've had the opportunity to go and see something in a theater when we've been on tour. Um, typically, like over the years when we've toured in Europe, we would rent sort of sprinter vans that have like an entertainment system in the back. Yeah. Um, but usually like some of them will come loaded with like a hard drive with movies on. Sometimes you just get like a HDMI where you would plug uh, a laptop in or whatever. And actually saying this out loud has just completely jogged my memory, which is what I was hoping it would do. I was kind of just filibustering to the point that I could kind of get where I wanted to go. Um, we are huge Jim Carrey advocates. Uh, awesome. in our, and I think the film that we've watched together the most um, is unquestionably Dumb and Dumber. So uh, it's it, it's a little Jim Carrey highbrow, lowbrow. It's like... Uh... I, I, I feel like we've had a talk about the Truman show before a great mm -hmm. movie and, and something like dumb and dumber can also work uh, so, just so well. I think when you're traveling and definitely like in a van with a bunch of people and the audio quality is not going to be good. You can't watch anything that is remotely serious or thoughtful. It has <laughs> to be just something that is going to go down. Well, the people know and are, you know, are familiar with. So we've, yeah. In the past, like I wasn't awake for this, but they watched three Jackass movies back to back. You know, like <laughs> Borat will go on, and then we yeah. had the Jim Carrey marathon, which we did when we recorded as well. Like we did, we did both Ace Ventura films, um, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, uh, the Something Mask about Mary, um, or is that? Am I, uh, that's not a Jim Carrey. That's no, uh, I, I'm confusing that with um. My God, I'll 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 think of it. Uh, oh, uh, me myself and Irene is what I'm confused. Yeah, we didn't about. we didn't get that far. But and then sure. me, when when we'd finished that and weren't in the studio anymore, uh, I went round to Al's house and we watched Liar Liar. Like <laughs> that yeah. that movie is so funny. I I that was a blind spot for me for the longest time, and I just watched it this year with Lauren. Um, yeah, that that movie rocks. Uh. The, the one other thing before we move on to the movie that's adjacent to this is we actually do have a movie experience together on tour that I completely forgot about until you mentioned watching stuff in the van. And that is when, and this, this all comes from, I don't know what it was. Like we, we, we got the, the message that it was like, uh, Tom, Tom messaged us and was like, Oh, the other band on this tour, uh, wants to know if you're down to split transportation. We we're like, great. And I had this idea of like, wouldn't it be funny if uh, without letting any of them know and just seeing if anyone caught on, I watched Borat before bed every night until someone caught on and was like, you know, it, it, one of those things where it's like, uh, how do you how do you approach like kind of a stranger about this? Like and, and it, to hopefully hear them whispering about, do you know that he's been watching Borat every night before bed and hopefully get to the point where you're asking other guys in the band, like, what's what's going on with this? Um, and I think I thought it was such a funny idea that I let it slip after the first night that I was going to do that. And everyone loved it. They love and, and that's that's the origin of Borat. And then during a very long overnight drive, Jeremy put 
he rented Borat on his phone and he listened to it while he drove overnight on the on the speakers in the van. That that is our uh, collective tour movie. Uh, uh, ex- like the two, the thing that both of us have experienced together uh, on tour, which is great. I don't know. <laughs> um, all right. What's your relation? Uh, so you kind of actually already talked about your relationship with the talented Mr. Ripley, like to first start, right? Um, what's, I, I just remembered another question that I love to ask, but I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for the end if we get to it. And if not, we'll do it at, on, on a different pod because I do feel like I want to get to this movie. So growing up, uh, you're going to the video rental store. You see the cover of this thing. Plus these guys that work at the at the store are like, you know, check this thing out. It rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it a couple of years later. So how old are you probably when you when you first see this thing? I would I would estimate maybe 13 mm-hmm. like that would that checks out like i'm this came out in 99 i'm 35 mm-hmm. yeah i it would i would have had to have been like 12 or 13 good age um that that seems like a really good age to see something like this um okay so you see it and what's what's kind of your immediate thoughts after this is it immediately something that's like this is insane or or is it something that you're like this is great and then it kind of it kind of follows you for the rest of your life you keep watching it and then come to the realization that this is my movie i think it's definitely the latter and i think it's a film that as i've gotten older i've definitely like understood it more i i know for certain that when i initially saw that i didn't follow every sort of nuance to it and not that's not to say it's it's necessarily complicated at all i think it is like it's a fairly straightforward story in the way that it's it's told but um there's a lot going on to it um that i don't think necessarily like a 12 year old would would get yeah the way that that it unfolds is uh like it, it I, I like a movie like that where it's like it's easy to follow the thing. Like if someone asked you, "Oh, that uh, that movie you just saw that movie, what was it about?" You can tell them. Like, yeah. sp- spoilers for this movie. Um, you know, uh, it's about a man who assumes another man's identity. Um, you can you can say that. You know, but there's nuance to the way that the uh, the story unfolds. Uh, like the way that it's told, the the uh, the structure of the thing, which is something that I am. You know, this thing structurally isn't like super out there or anything like that. But like one of the things that that I put down in my notes is like very particularly the transitioning, especially at the the beginning. Some of those like blues and and just the way that certain stuff faded into another. It's it's something that uh, over the pandemic, I always say this, I became obsessed with structure, whether it's song structure or movie structure. Um, and then kind of try, kind of try to relate the two, and 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 built into that is transitioning, which I'm sure is like just transitions are a like regular part of our thinking as musicians because we're constantly thinking about songs and and constantly writing music. Um, so now I'm picking it up more and more in movies where I'm just like the transition just from this uh, uh, point in the movie to that is very interesting. Um, so yeah, I get exactly what you mean where you're just like not not impossible to say what it's about but uh it's still told in a really adult like it's very adult in the sense that uh there's there's a lot there's a lot of thought put into it and a lot to grasp onto definitely um 
and it's I think just over the years, like you, the way that you kind of put it, I've just I've realized that this yeah, it's my film. There's there's so much to this that I think there's I get something out of it every time I watch it, and I've I lost count of the amount of times I I have seen it. Uh, I watched it again on Sunday night, just um, ahead of this, just to make some notes and to kind of, I suppose, to try and articulate to myself what it is that I like so much about it. Um, and yeah, it's like it's something that you know I've read the I've read the novel um, and. I've listened to other podcasts about it. I've read like sure. various articles on it. And I think again, it is trying to understand like, what is it about this that like, I like so much. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's all of it basically. And like, sure. you know, as you said, like, I think visually it's, it's stunning. Like the transitions, the way this, the story is told, the pacing of all of it, the development of the, of the main character. And that ultimately it's like, a story about this sort of yeah homicidal guy that will do anything to move up uh climb the social ladder so to speak but by the end of it like you're on his side and you feel sorry for him like it's yeah it's, it's incredible like the way that matt damon plays plays his character like i was looking again at like films that were released that year and this kind of like i suppose i, I want to say like anti-hero kind of um sort of feel to it and like yeah like this came out the same year that like fight club did and sure like, you know, similar kind of figures within the films of like you know you shouldn't believe in these people but they're they're written and portrayed in such a charismatic way that it's so easy to buy buy into it there's uh, uh there, there's um one comparable that i made that that i can't get out of my head which the movie comes out this other movie comes out three years later i believe but it's kind of like a uh a bit of a more sinister catch me if you can yeah so which like is like which catch me if you can is like the most fun you'll ever have like following it, Honestly, it might be the most fun you'll ever have following a singular criminal. I think the most fun you'll have following a group of criminals might be the Oceans movies, particularly Oceans 11. Oh, yeah. Uh, the ultimate plane movie for me. Anytime that I'm flying, it's like I've I got to queue up Oceans 11, just a breezy two hours. Um, but but so, yeah, I, I when I first watched this, I'm like, oh, this is like if Catch Me If You Can was really, really grim. And so you mentioned the book. Um, this is another thing that I just did. Uh, I just did a pod with my buddy, Scott, not the Scott that, you know, different Scott who, um, he picked the long goodbye, which is a Philip Marlowe story, which is like a thing that where I didn't even realize. And this is, this is kind of similar to, um, something about this movie. Um, I go, Oh, this is like, a uh, uh, people have written like pulp books about this. Like, you know, those, those, uh, 25 cent, uh, paperback novels back in the day. And, uh, there's another big movie made about this character as like a detective. That is, uh, uh, one of my favorite, if not my favorite Humphrey Bogart movie, the big sleep. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I'm like, Oh, wow. I didn't even realize two of my favorite movies. It's kind of the same character played by different people, which we were talking about. I was like, I didn't even realize I have the American friend. Um, and, and, uh, uh, I haven't watched it yet. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to be really prepared for this pod. I'm going to watch this, compare it to Talented Mr. Ripley. And I fell asleep like 10 minutes in because it was just like an insane day. And now, yeah. But so, but I'm, I'm going to watch it. I'm very excited for it. But you read the book. 
when when does this thing come out so this is older i assume because of the american friend being from the 70s yeah um because there's there's actually a, a i think this is there's several iterations of this film as well that have been made over the years there's like uh-huh. a french version of it called plain soleil uh which i think translates as purple noon um okay. with this like stunningly attractive french actor called alan delon like he's the most like yeah, just handsome man you've ever seen in his, yeah. in his head. Um, and it's it's funny because he yeah he he's almost like as striking as the Jude Law character is in in this. What a handsome man! What a couple those two. Gwyneth like, Paltrow and Jude Law. The way that the clothes hang off of him, it's just it makes you mm-hmm. sick. But um, <laughs> yeah, the I guess the book was uh it's in the it's the 50s like okay. it was written it was written that long ago and it was a series of there's a series of books by the author patricia highsmith that mm-hmm. followed and developed the 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 tom ripley character um i'm not sure like where this falls sequentially i've got a feeling it might be the first and then there's okay. like ripley's game ripley underground i'm not sure which the american uh, friend is i'm not yeah, positive because uh, this does feel like the first in the sense that it's like it, it either feels like the first or a second maybe because we start the movie with uh matt damon playing the piano and we'll get into damon in a second because i know that's that's one of the things that we were when you when you uh texted me we were texting about this and we're like what what should what, what are we going to be discussing and i was like one thing i'd like to discuss is kind of the the guys who are you know the the actors and actresses playing these people and kind of where they are in their career and he's at such an interesting point and like you mentioned fight club i believe he was up for the brad pitt role um or the norton role i cannot remember which i think it might have been the norton role actually um so it's like he is kind of uh everything that i think there's something else insane that he's that he's kind of tied to at this point so because like you said he's coming right off of uh this is his first movie since goodwill hunting right yeah so it's it, it it is a very strategic like Pitt was kind of in the same uh kind it was it wasn't Pitt it was Norton who was in the same circumstance because he was coming off of um Primal Fear which is my favorite Norton right. movie yeah yeah amazing yep yep, yep. just like eh, this I, I I feel like especially if any of my uh buddies uh who recently gave me some shit for this because I just rewatched Fight Club and it just doesn't work for me as much as it did when I was 13. I um, think it's a really fair take. Like, yeah. yeah. It, it just, it just, and so, like, my big thing was I had just watched Mulholland Drive uh, to prepare for another podcast with with Dan from Between the Buried and Me, a movie that I love. And, you know, it's unfair to compare those two just because they are different movies, but it's the, coming from the same, like, uh, we're playing with the idea of multiple personalities. One's in a dream. One is like created in his head, whatever. And I'm just like, man, it feels like they're, you know, spoon feeding Fight Club to me a little bit. Like even just the little flash of Brad Pitt at the beginning where I'm just like, oh, like 10 minutes in. It's just like, by the way, it's the same guy. I'm like, all right, not not necessarily the worst thing in the world, but whatever. It just but it just didn't work for me. And then uh, uh, even to think about like but multiple personalities, Ed Norton, I feel like Primal Fear is the, the superior movie for me where I'm just like multiple personality Ed Norton movie. I'll take Primal Fear 10 times out of 10 over Fight Club. Also, it's a courtroom drama, which is like drugs for me. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk Damon in a second, but like you said, this could be the first, could be the second, because it feels like he is savvy to the fact that he can, uh, kind of manipulate the people around him and the situations around him, but also feels like he's kind of figuring it out. Like this movie, especially where he is kind of like every little thing that goes wrong. He doesn't quite panic, but it does feel like it's like, I got to figure this out right now. Um, uh, but but uh, let's let's do this. The the movie itself. Let's do a quick instead of going through the movie beat for beat. Uh, we'll do like kind of a quick overview of what the thing is about, which is basically just and when I when I kind of uh, uh, stop uh, when I'm tripping on my words, you you come in and save me. Um, we start Matt Damon uh, playing piano at a wedding, a very fancy yeah. wedding. And he is uh, playing piano, playing it really well. And uh, he's talking to one of the people at the wedding who is, uh, oh, what's his face? Um, I love something. him. He's, he's, um, in, he's in the game, which I love. Um, he is just a great uh, character actor. Um, it is James Reborn. James Reborn. All right. Um, yes. So so he is he is speaking to him, and uh, he's he's like, oh, uh, he's wearing a uh, Matt Damon's wearing a jacket. Harvard, I believe, right? Or is it Princeton? Princeton. Right. Okay. So Princeton. He's like, oh, my son went to Princeton. Uh, you might know him. And uh, Matt. Damon, he tells a lie. Yeah. He basically, he tells a lie, and it sets up the whole film. Yep. Because this scene ends, and then you see him returning the jacket to someone that's in a car who was supposed to be playing piano who is that his arm is in a cast and he's like thank you for the jacket yep and on the back of telling this lie he then ends up going to italy where james reborn's son is living to try and convince him to come home mm -hmm. uh, because he's just kind of frittering away his inheritance living the good life um can't blame him matt damon who is someone that we see to be working like multiple jobs like absolutely scraping by living in a really kind of crummy apartment in in the 50s mm -hmm. is just desperate to kind of go and then he kind of falls in love with everything about this person's life um and the lies just begin to spiral and spiral and spiral the 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 elevator pitch to this from my buddy kevin who was the one who was like you got to see this thing was uh it's like uh, if a George Costanza lie really spiraled out of control and became very sinister. I mean, it's not, <laughs> not far wrong. Like, you know, it's... It, it's, it's a good yeah. read on it. It really is. Uh, uh, and, and, and that's where kind of things turn sinister, right? Because we are kind of having fun. He is wearing Jude Law's clothes. He is, uh, in order to kind of uh, get on his side... He's training himself in the uh, uh, the world of jazz, which I've yeah. got a question for you later on about. Uh, that's very fun. Um, when I do my lightning questions for you, but uh, and and then things turn sinister when Jude Law's like, "This is getting weird, man." Um, but he still likes the guy, so he's like kind of trying to break this off amicably, uh, and is like, "We gotta, we we you know, we gotta kind of go our separate ways for right now." Um, Things turn sinister, and as we, as I said, kind of spoilers for this movie. Which, if you haven't seen it, honestly, 
this is a good point to turn the podcast off and then come back to it after you've seen it because it's really good. It's it's this yeah. is it's a slam dunk. Um, Matt Damon kills Jude Law on the uh, the boat that they're on. And then it really starts to spiral out of control for him. That, not to go through every little uh, every little bit of this because we haven't even talked about Kate Blanchett's character, not really Gwyneth Paltrow as well, but through all of his uh, uh, having to get out of lies, um, assuming someone else's identity, people know him as different, you know, his real self, his different self. He winds up killing uh, Jude Law, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and who is unbelievable in this, who I want to talk about as well. Um, and uh, uh, our character at the end, who, uh, Lord forgive me, I forget his name as well. Jack Davenport playing yes. Peter Kingsley. Yeah, he's a British actor that was, I think at one point tipped to be James Bond. Never happened for him. I think this was like one of his only sort of international films that he ever did. He was like doing bits domestically and it never really gotcha. took off. I think he's awesome in this film. Just as oh, like really a great. character actor. Like he's so believable in his part. Yeah, but didn't happen. Are you, where, where are you with James Bond? Because I actually just recently made it a mission of mine to, they feel like November Thanksgiving movie, American Thanksgiving movies. Oh. I, I'm like, you know what? This November, I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing all the Bonds. And I know that they're, they are culturally something that probably just like, you know, much like, uh, much like hamburgers and American football for us. You guys have James Bond we've cup, and we've got cups of tea and James Bond. It's like, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Are, are you into it? Are you all in on Bond? Is there like, uh, yeah. What's the temperature for you? I mean, I loved it when I was younger because my dad really liked it. And mm -hmm. I think it was something that he grew up with and, you know, a time where there was maybe slightly less going on with cinema and less choice. It, a Bond film coming out was like a huge moment. And I think it probably still is. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I liked them a lot when I was younger. Um, I've probably seen most of them, like maybe 75% of them, 80% of them. And there's a lot. Yeah. Um, I can dip in and out. Like I thought the most recent one was good. Okay. Like, yeah. That's, that's Craig still, right? Yeah. I think my favorite one if you wanted to dip in if you want a recommendation is from yeah. russia with Love. okay um, yeah so one of the sean connery ones I'm the, the villain in it is just so sick because he's like he doesn't have a gimmick he's just like impossibly hard like he's just this really <laughs> really hard that's guy thing. that's the thing man i i actually jeremy was just giving me shit for this man where he's like you're gonna watch all the bond movies and i was like yeah i'm gonna watch all the bond movies i want to hang out in my little italian sports car uh drive or you know little little british sports car whatever driving uh in beautiful europe with my little gadgets and and my bond girls and my and my like insane villains like like cartoon villains i i like it all i want uh uh, uh what do i want i want layers and i want like you know i want freaking sharks with uh laser beams on their heads man why not like i want to press a pen something mad's gonna happen like yep. it's yeah that's <laughs> That's the ult that's the ultimate sell. All right. Um, so here's what I want to do with the rest of the pod. Here's uh I wanna talk let's 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 talk Damon. I wanna talk Damon and then I wanna talk about some of your favorite parts. We'll go through our notes and then I wanna play mm -hmm. a little game. Um not uh uh not in a sinister jigsaw way. Um <laughs> more of a fun more of a fun uh Tom Ripley way, although you know, fun is is up for <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, we were talking Damon before. So mm -hmm. 
pulling up. I should have probably done this during our little break. Matt Damon filmography. Okay, which by the way, did you see? Uh, did you see either of his big, big ones this year? Did you see Air or Oppenheimer? Did we talk Oppenheimer? I've seen both of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, two great movies and two great performances. My God. Love them uh, both. I think I enjoyed your uh, letterboxed review of Air. I think it was oh. because I love stories about guys doing deals or something like oh, that. A- a- any movie about a guy making a deal. It's like every time I watch Heat, I go, man, I got to start a crew. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like it's, it's the same thing where uh, it's I love guys making deals, guys investigating. We're both big The Wire guys. You're one of the only people that I know who's done We Own the City as well. Um, mm. David Simon, well-versed in the world of deals and like paper trails, that kind of thing. Uh, while this isn't that, it's kind of rooted in that same world. This is, and it's, it's, it's like that. It's like that mixed with our beloved sports world. And uh, I, you know, the 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 MJ stuff's a little bit like it's a little funny at this point, but uh, I mean he is undeniably unreal. So, but just like you know the way that people uh, speak about him, like he is like he is a god. Um, you know he's he's just a really good athlete. Uh, but all right, let's uh, why why for the life of me career filmography. All right, here we go. So, like I said, I very specifically want to kind of. And I did speak Ocean's Eleven, and that's right around here, too. He's kind of just hitting. So he's working a lot in the early 90s until, I mean, Chasing Amy's a big one for a lot of people. But it really is, which is in his 97. And then the one before that, Courage Under Fire, which is a Denzel, uh, it is a, uh, it's a Zwick Denzel, kind of adjacent to the courtroom drama stuff. It's one of those, like, 90s uh, political thrillers. Um, that I recently just watched. It's fine. I think it's really like it's the year before this where he starts like absolutely kicking ass because he's got like Goodwill Hunting, obviously. Yeah, the Same Rainmaker. The, the yeah, Rain- the Rainmaker as well, which is and another then- courtroom drama. Uh, uh, but yeah, go ahead. Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, Rounders, which is a very underrated film about playing cards. Him and Ed Norton. Oh man, with- I'm gonna have to. Uh, have no, I haven't seen it, and this is exactly oh, my. my th- this looks like uh, this looks like '90s Color of Money is what it looks like. Mike, you are gonna. It will be a new favorite film by the end of the night. I'm sure. <laughs> like, it's, it's so up your street. It's. <laughs> it, oh, let's go! I've this 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 is an immediate watch. It, Ed Norton playing a card shark called Worm. It's like. <laughs> And John Malkovich doing like the most unhinged Russian accent you've ever heard. It's like it's he, a very, very, very good. Malkovich, point. Malkovich is so funny because he's got one of my favorite quotes about acting, which I'm not going to get it perfectly, but he is like acting is the stupidest job in the world. I can't believe I get paid for this. I get paid to say words. That's the. Well, <laughs> it's so I, I can link this back to the the whole Mr. Ripley thing. There's like there's another Ripley film, uh, Ripley's Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Malkovich is in it. That's awesome. Um, so, like, you know, there we are. It's all, it's all part of uh, the same. It is. It's all intertwined. I've got my rounders page up that I will not be exiting out of. Um, but yeah, so this, yeah, this run is unreal, leading right up to, and he's in Dogma right before it, which is, you know, he's working with Kevin Smith. Sure. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think kind of 
he then hits the Bourne movies, which is when like I think him as that He's... character is criminally underrated. Okay, I cool. Think... Jeremy just think... rewatched all of these, and he's like, "Hey, by the way, Jason Bourne rocks." The f- the first one is again like up there with my favorite films, and I think like yeah, it was probably on the back of enjoying Mr. Ripley so much that I was like, "I'm all in on Matt Damon. Like, lo- love him." And again, there is such a big sort of like disconnect between the two roles. Um, and I just really appreciated the kind of just dexterity that he had. And I think that I think that first Bourne film is like one of the best kind of like spy thriller kind of movies. And again, very early 2000s, late 90s could yeah. have only really been made then and just totally changed the way those films were. Because like, I think coming on from the James Bond thing, like so much of it was just like a bit puffy and mm-hmm. silly and I don't know, too... It feels like it, it does feel like the, the Bond stuff runs the table for like the really like in terms of like bigger picture world stuff where everyone's watching. It's like James Bond for like the 70s, 80s, 90s is where it starts to be like the Mission Impossible stuff kind of is like, I'll take this, this and this and make this whole thing cooler. Right. Um, and then and then Bond gets cooler all of a sudden, um, like just like to. tries to actively. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. like you said stuff like born and to a lesser extent but but it is a comparable because it's like a guy's big uh you know uh uh not that he's a i don't think he is a spy in this movie but the taken stuff um which as jeremy was i I don't want to take credit for this because i haven't done any of the borns yet but he said it's crazy how the born stuff is like also solid and taken really just kind of it's like the first one and then it just falls flat and it's like yeah. it wipes the floor with the taken stuff um the first three like the trilogy i think is pretty flawless for yeah. like the kind of film that it is i'm sure. not saying like right the greatest film ever or whatever but like if you're looking at films like that in isolation it's uh, yeah it's so great. he's he's also in all the oceans movies which are just like truly some of the best movies ever made, I think. Um, I, I just like, they're just so fun and good. And Steven Soderbergh is like, when I think about like who I want to be as a musician, I think about more and more, like, I feel like there's two modes that you can kind of go off of. And and the the healthiest, the healthiest for us to probably output, like our, our output creatively to be is probably falling in between the two. But I think of someone like Stanley Kubrick, who makes like seven movies you know not it's a little more than seven but he makes a movie every like six seven eight years you know the 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 space becomes greater and greater and he's he becomes obsessive with them and then there's like a guy like steven soderbergh who will literally just like he'll come to your house show up with a script and an iphone and be like let's shoot a movie today i can edit it have it out tomorrow (laughs) you know so I, i think about that in terms of my like and because of it there's some stuff that's just like uh uh immensely forgettable but also like there's just stuff that works so well, like the the Oceans movies, uh, Aaron Brockovich, another great legal thriller, um, Traffic Rocks, Michael Douglas. Uh, there's there's just so much good. Um, but yeah, so uh, and then uh, more recently, well, I don't want to skim past Euro Trip, his unbelievable cameo in, in Euro, not cameo, but his little he plays the uh, the the guy in the band who's singing the song. Uh, 
uh, Scotty Doesn't Know, which is a song that Scott was uh, really like haunted by in high school because of when this movie came out. Um, only imagined <laughs> um and like yeah the 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 one that i haven't done like there's stuff that's interesting that i haven't done like downsizing i watched suburbicon on a plane which is like it feels uh, yep it's just it just doesn't work i oh, love right. i love the the um i love the 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 vibe that Clooney goes for and you can clearly see that he's got a taste when it comes to this thing because of how often he works with the Coen brothers but it's just it just doesn't he just doesn't have the juice man as a director um but but there's there's other and, and so you know now he's kind of just uh, I believe the 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 thing is he's he's going to work a little more uh infrequently and pick his projects a little bit more uh um carefully is is the what i believe he's he's said on record um talking about oppenheimer specifically because he told his wife he was going to do you know he's going to take a bit of a break from acting and then mm -hmm. he's like well nolan called i have to do oppenheimer which he's also great in interstellar the where he's just like he's not in the it's the kevin spacey seven thing where yeah. it's like I'm not in any of the pr promo Sorry, material. So when I show up, it's like, oh, holy shit, this is awesome. Um, but but so Damon just unreeling this thing. Um, yeah. And and what so so we, we kind of talked through him and just your any of your thoughts on him playing Ripley just because you you said he is he, he just does such a good job. I think he's I think it's just the perfect actor for that role i don't think anyone i can't think of someone you can sub in that it works with he he's so good at the like the gentle side of it as you're getting to know him and yeah. then was menacing so well and and as i said like um by the end of the film you're rooting for him and like right. at this point he's got like a body count of three like it, yeah. you know and it's in the, in the final scene of the film I, I you just you're heartbroken that it's not worked out for him I, I am anyway like that's kind of how i've sure. grown to grown to feel over time is that you so you want it to work so much because you can see it feels like he's just struggling against everything to try and find a place to fit in like he's kind of he's finally found his identity and he's really comfortable in it and yep. and then it's taken away from him just one light it was one lie too many basically yep uh, yep um, and uh, but it's a weird thing where I, I feel like it's gonna. I I don't know if you get this sense, but it just feels like it's gonna work out for him. And obviously, it it does in the sense that like there are like four other books about the guy, and I'm sure there's kind of a uh, uh, what happened after the talented Mr. Ripley. I'm sure that there's written kind of uh, uh in the order that these things are written. I'm sure that we can uh, trace that back and and find out exactly. Um curious to read these books now um i just recently talked hoff philip seymour hoffman on because i just did a punch drunk love pod which i think is yeah. going to come out after this one do you have any philip seymour hoffman thoughts i mean it's like that's like such a uh it, it, i i just kind of went through his filmography a little bit but i mean like it, it it feels like with this guy you just read through it and you can talk about every movie for 10 minutes if not longer like the way i feel about him that is the saddest I have ever been when I've learned that someone died that wasn't a member of my family. <laughs> like that's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, and I, yeah, it, this was the first film that I saw with him in, and 
I just completely yeah fell in love with him as an actor. Like I think he's maybe the greatest act. My maybe not the my favorite actor sure. within that has worked within my lifetime. That um, is completely fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you have a favorite really other than film. this? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, sorry. I was just going to say, I think he's so good in this film. Do you um, have a favorite other than this one? Of his roles? Yeah. Good question. Uh, I mean, Scotty J in, in Boogie Nights is really, really good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Boogie, Boogie Nights. That's probably my favorite uh, PTA. And and maybe him playing Capote in, in Capote. I, I so I read Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, uh, I forget why I read it exactly. Like I, I, you know, it's one of those things where, like, of course, I read it because, like, it is a, a, a you know, it's it's short and and one of those things that's just like you should read Breakfast at Tiffany's. But uh, I I read it before I saw the movie, and yeah, he he really is great in that movie. I think the movie itself is like fine, but he it's one of those things where it's like, oh, that movie is fine, but that guy in that movie rocks. I think it's um, more about the performance than like the execution yeah. of the whole thing. I mean, I think it's a great, I, I really like the film. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it, him particularly playing that role, it's just remarkable. Like when you see photos and hear clips of Truman Capote speaking in real life, like the commitment. The to... Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. And the uh, two, the, the two I'll talk about for one second is I just did, I just redid a long came Polly, which he's unbelievable. Awesome. In. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> who else has got this range are you kidding it's, like it's it's maybe like the best entrance to a movie by anyone ever it, yeah the, the him coming in and falling flat on his face um and then synecdoche new york which is one that uh it's like the the opposite end of the spectrum uh yeah. from along came polly which uh me and lauren just did because lauren's a big eternal sunshine uh she really likes i'm thinking of ending things so she likes all the kaufman stuff but I was sure. like, we should do Synecdoche in New York. And we finally did. And she was like, she's been having insane dreams for the past like four days uh, since, we've, <laughs> since we've done it. But it's like, yeah, he's just like, oh my God, man. Yeah, that's that's the amount of stuff that we've lost out on because because he's gone sucks. And then of course, Moneyball too. Um, and then I'll quickly do, quickly, quickly do Paltrow, who I feel like I just because I rewatched Seven so recently, and it's like, where where are you at with Seven? Do you like Seven? Yes, fantastic. Yeah, that's uh, I I'm thinking about I'm I'm going to have to rank my because I'm listening to a podcast that's doing Fincher week by week, and um, I'm like I'm watching along, and I have to like I want to do my own rankings, and I I it's unbelievable how many good movies he has. I think. It's seven is probably still it's it's gonna sit at two. Um I think Zodiac's just got the slight edge on it, but it's like seven's like oh my it's it's probably a top five movie of the nineties for sure. Um God, God I think that's bad. I mean, I think for me, in terms of Gwyneth Paltrow roles, this is probably my favorite of hers. Um, right, because it's a weirder, it's a less like, there's less to talk about, I feel like, especially later on, than um, like Philip Seymour Hoffman and Matt Damon, who just like, I feel like there's a ton to talk about. Um, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, Seven, obviously great. I think second to this for me would be... Um, Royal Tenenbaums. Um, yeah. yeah. I really enjoy sense. the character that she plays in that. But I think this is just, yeah, it's a, it's just a really, really good performance. Like the way the character develops over the course of the movie. Um, 
and her kind of being the only one other than Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is who is very clearly onto him. Yeah, um, suspicious of him. And the yeah. fact that he's convinced everyone to the contrary and she's just left like beating his chest and, you know, screaming in his face about it. It's... Yeah. Um, oh, I finally, I finally got the frigging, but yeah. So, so seven's obviously my big one here. Hard eight. She's good in, um, mm-hmm. which is another PTA tells him is really a perfect murder, which is like uh, outside of the courtroom drama stuff and legal thriller stuff from the nineties. I really like the sleazy erotic thriller stuff. And a perfect murder is uh, kind of a, heavily inspired by uh dial m for murder um okay. movie which uh, hitchcock's not british is he is, is hitchcock british yeah i want to say so yeah maybe Probably. he is I, I i don't know how big a phenomenon Born he is in, over there but you know. i mean i will say one of the things that i like about this film and over time i've kind of come to understand the influence that it, it is kind of like it feels hitchcock light like it's definitely informed sure. a lot of that and you can see where the kind of more classical influences film of films comes into it like you know it's obviously set in the 50s and it feels like a modern throwback to a different kind of time and i guess that is kind of what it's evoking from the source material of um, of like a book that was written yeah. back then yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and he is, oh God, there's, there's a few, there's a few Hitchcock movies that just like the, the, the James Stewart stuff is just li- like, again, uh, in my, like some of the best movies ever made. Um, But, but all right. All right. Uh, Obviously, you know, we could, we could sit here and talk about Blanchett. We could talk about uh, even, even Redmorn who, who, you know, forgive me i i i blanked on his name he's still got an a face that i'll never forget sure. um uh but you taking some notes you wanted to talk about some stuff uh any big points that you wanted to kind of hit on or uh any favorite parts kind of that you wanted to talk about i think a couple of things that i wanted to hit on that i think made this so great um i think the use of music throughout the film is just it's amazing. I don't think I've seen many films that build the soundtrack into the movie as, as well as this does. And some of those scenes when they're they're in like the jazz, the smoky jazz clubs, and then that's kind of then offset against Ripley's actual kind of love, which is like really beautiful classical music in the opera. And you kind of have like the two different characters being, I suppose, best embodied by jazz which is kind of dicky which is obviously very free spirited and then ripley is the kind of more classical restrained guy and throughout the film you've just got this like sprawling score that just covers all of that and i I think it's so so well done it's something that i've definitely drawn a lot of influence on when writing music like there's a bunch of rolo stuff that is not necessarily lifted from but really heavily informed by the score to this film you you just kind of talked about the one thing that I was like maybe I maybe I won't bring this up as a as a could because we can go down a rabbit hole with this but I'm always so curious so I'll bring it up now because you did when watching kind of like as musicians we're influenced by music sure but the more and and this is again I I love to hear where people are influenced by other mediums and pull it into theirs right so like the the thing that I love to kind of track is structure and when a movie has a structure where it's like oh by the way 
um, we're completely flipping something. And now, you know, this, the first two thirds of the movie were some kind of, like, I, I, I use Mulholland Drive as an example where it's like, oh, uh, the first two thirds of this movie is a fucking dream. Now the characters' names are different. Everything, your world is turned upside down, you know, and, and thinking about the equivalent of how to do that in a song, that kind of thing. But like, uh, you know, outside of just that, just the, the, the little things that you will pick up in a, in a, in other, whether it's a book, whether it is, uh, uh, cause you can, you can draw influence from like the way something's described in a book and then try and like recreate the way that that sounds in your head on the piano. You know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff just gets me jazzed the way that people interpret different things and then bring it into their own. So is when it, when it comes to watching movies, is it a lot of sonically or, or what's, what's kind of, what's your, what's your mindset there? I think some some of it is just straight up sonically what it sounds like. And again, this is a movie with a soundtrack that has a ton of like really nice motifs that like return throughout the film. Like there's this like particular refrain that comes back in countless times when it's like there's just shots of Damon on his own. I think it's literally just called Ripley's theme on the uh-huh. on the soundtrack. Um but it's all about how you use that to kind of create mood along with the sort of the visual aspect of it and i suppose yeah. that's something that we try to try to use as a band to kind of um yeah i i hear I, he- I i i and now now that you mention it, i do hear it absolutely um and, and i do feel like especially now more than ever it's uh it's so much more than just music with being in a band so it is like the uh, uh, you can take stuff like visually from a movie and then recreate it visually for your band because you have to have lights and video and mm-hmm. music videos and yeah. promo and 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 you know it's just like so there is more direct comparables than just sonically i like what's happening in this score and i'm gonna but i like i like the idea of what you said where it's mood it's uh the vibe of this part fits the vibe of this part you know? Yeah, totally. I think like mood is like a kind of keyword. I think it's um, it's not just about like yeah, lifting directly from the score sonically. It's more about understanding how every part is coming together to create the feeling that you're experiencing when you're mm-hmm. not necessarily just watching, but like consuming. I suppose like taking it all in. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, I think I think the soundtrack is is perfect, and I think those those scenes in 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 the jazz clubs are some of like my favorites in in the whole thing and i think it's very cool as well um jude law learned to play the saxophone for the film like he's it's good him, it's him playing it and matt damon like learned to play the piano like i think enough that when it, they're filming him playing it it's him kind of playing it but the audio is recorded of, it's a recording of someone else doing it that's but fine it, because it looks real like there's right. nothing that makes me more insane than in a movie like one of like the best comedy movies of the 2010s is I love you, man. I think, and I see Jason Segal like playing, uh, like trying to play rush songs on guitar, yeah. but it's fucking, it doesn't like, it's like, he's doing the fake guitar thing. And I'm like, man, it's not that fucking hard to learn how to play limelight. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like you're an actor, he, but he's a really accomplished, like p- pianist, right? Like he can. So maybe it was per Maybe it was a choice then. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's insane to me to think that uh, that I, I just recently watched this movie and I clocked it. Whether it's him or Rudd, so one of them is like, I'm like, it is insane how bad this looks. Sure. 
Yeah, I mean, I I know the scene you're talking about, but I was under yeah. the impression that he wrote the the like the the actual Dracula musical in that. Like, I think he in, wrote in, that. Uh, forgetting Star Wars. Uh, uh, yeah, that 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 whole that whole thing rocks so much. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, maybe maybe because I think that may have came after I Love You, Man. So maybe maybe sure, okay. the piano in those years. I've confused the two of them, but yeah. But yeah, either way, that's uh. He should know better, is what we're going yes, for. That's yeah. that's right. Uh, take a take a uh, uh you know take a note from Jude and Matt here. Um. Yeah. The all the jazz stuff's great, and like I love now just like. I forget what exactly got me into like just hooked on jazz, but it was a Duke Ellington Coltrane record that I just, and then, and then it kind of just branched off from there. Um, but it's so, so fun to just like all, all of the music, all of the stuff that they're, uh, that they're pulling from the bird stuff and uh, the miles stuff. It's, it's so cool. Uh, uh, it, it just really like, tasteful choices on the end yeah of it. yeah and it doesn't feel like you said tasteful is exactly the word and the way that it kind of feeds into just the general aesthetic of the film and like the fashion choices and how like elegant and beautiful everyone looks yeah and it, it's just it's yeah I, I really really like it there's you know what this is again from my notes i was trying to think of a way to articulate what it is i like so much about the aesthetics of the film yeah. And this is actually from a book about Barcelona, the football oh, team. Okay. Um, and I remember reading this and like it just really resonated. It's it's like it was talking about Barcelona specifically, but um, it exemplifies a European dream. The perfect blend of food, beauty, good weather, wealth, a manageable pace, friendliness, mountains and sea. And like that's this that's this film. It's like, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of spot on. It's why it's so easy to kind of buy into the life that Dickie has in in Italy, and then Tom going over. It's, you don't you don't struggle to see what is appealing about that. And yeah, he gets he get like you like you said you're rooting for him by the end because he gets so sucked into the life that Dickie's leaving uh, uh, living, and um, you sympathize with him because it's like obviously not great that it came down to murder. Uh, uh three times but uh <laughs> but like you're like yeah i get it i don't want to i i don't want to stop living this either this this yeah. rocks because uh, yeah again it's like you feel that he's he's earned the right at that point or something like that and that dickie's this yeah super entitled person that um doesn't know what it is to struggle and yeah, yeah. it's it's just good storytelling the way that they get you to, to kind of root for him so much yeah yeah uh any other any other points or favorite parts that you wanted to bring up other points or favorite parts i mean yeah the all the stuff in the jazz clubs um anything kind of rooted around music i think just the the locations generally in this film just look incredible yeah it just it, it just visually is like a really really stimulating film throughout um i love how halfway through it just the pacing of the film really, really changes and like kind of flips on its head. Like you sort of, right, it's very boat. gentle. And then as soon as you get to the boat scene and then yeah. it just, yeah. Let me pull what I, uh, what I texted, uh, what I texted my buddy when that hit. Um, uh, but, but it is a very, like, I might not be able to find this, but, but it was a thing where that boat, uh, <laughs> that I literally texted him and was like, Hey, we're hanging on the boat now. This is this is so much fun. 
And then, and then I text him like, Oh no. <laughs> oh no. And then it starts to spiral out of control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's that, that the helpless, you know what the, the part that like, cause like you said, it's light and breezy and fun and we're hanging out. And then it becomes like, Oh, it's, it's like when you're, when you're a kid and you're trying to like tell a lie between two parents uh, and then, you know, one of them is kind of onto you and asking something that like you can't answer truthfully without uh, exposing yourself or the lie that you've told. It's you get that that helpless feeling. And I think the part that it really, really hit with me was um, obviously any time that Kate Blanchett shows up where you're yeah. just like, oh, no. Oh, no, because she thinks he's someone completely different. And if yeah. if she calls him Dickie in front of Gwyneth Paltrow, the jig is really up. He's, you know, he's he's got to, like, sprint uh, and and hopefully and never stop running. You know, um, that helpless feeling is like it's it's very hard to. Yeah, it is. It's, it's hard to create that in a movie. Uh, and uh, it's the it's the same, like, feeling that uh, you chase watching, like, horror movies where it's like people who watch horror movies because they love to be scared. It's kind of the same vibe where it's like, I'm chasing this feeling of this. Uh, oh, the, this, this person is in this fucking dilemma that they can't get out of. And like, I need to find out how they're going to get out of it. And it's honestly, the amount of times I've watched it, it's never any less stressful. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, I'm not, I know how it's going to end obviously, but I still get the, the knot when it goes wrong for the last time. Um, and I also, one one final point that I really, really like yeah. about it, again, I've kind of like, it's something I can re- relate back to music at least. The opening shot of the mo- film is the also the, the final shot. Yeah. Like, and there's the really, really cool bit where like the, the mirror kind of, well, the, the doors kind of close and you sort of get like a bit of a two-headed Janus thing going on where he's obviously played the two different parts and then it, the doors just close in on him, which he's kind of, something that he's spoken about for the whole the yeah. whole time about everything being yeah boxing him in and yeah you only kind of i only kind of realized that after multiple watches that yeah the first scene in the credits it is him contemplating everything that's gone wrong and then telling the story from his perspective it's um yeah 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 absolutely uh that i i love that kind of like uh book stuff where it's like beginnings the end by the way that kind of thing i love i love that um all right, I'm going to go through my notes really quick. Uh, the one other point that I didn't bring up that I, I and I think it's very telling that I forgot to bring it up is we went through the actors and we, we didn't go through kind of like what, what's going on with the director, uh, Anthony Mangella. Uh, you recently had an experience with him when you watched The English Patient uh, on a plane mm-hmm. broken up from you. I believe you watched most of it and then you did a tour and then you finished it after the tour. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, great Seinfeld episode surrounding it. Um, yeah, very true. <laughs> and also, I feel that would actually be a pretty good double feature with this. I think there's sure. like a lot of stylistic similarities. They would they complement each other quite well. They seem these seem to be his two big ones, and then everything else. To be fair, he's only directed two movies since this. A, a movie called uh, an epic period war drama, which honestly, I'm a big period piece guy i really really like like in the age of innocence and um like uh uh uh, i mean like uh something a little bit more current like uh that is a little more perverse like something like the favorite um Mm -hmm. but i really like being in just high society uh europe and england it's it's so much fun for me 
Um, and then something called Breaking and Entering, which actually doesn't look bad. It's like a oh, crime drama. Great. Uh, Jude Law's in it. Um, but all right. All right. Uh, you know what? I might just jump to these questions. Uh, the only notes that I had were like, you know, nothing, nothing crazy. I see. I see. I wrote Jude Cock with an exclamation point right <laughs> here when he gets out of the tub. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip over some of these questions, too, because uh, I was. You know. um, all right. Well, here, here's here's one. And these, these will be quick. How far into this con would you go? Would you even take the trip? No. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, here's, here's the question. Would you would you play piano for the guy? Yeah. That's how far you'd go. Yeah, I would start out with that. I would do the favor because he's clear, you know, he can play. He clearly likes to play the piano as well. I mean, like, that is another one of my notes is that, like, all he wants to do is sit and play a piano in a nice apartment in Italy. I can get and, on board with that. Like, it's yeah. not, you know, it's, you know, yeah. sure, would I kill for that? I don't know, but, like, yeah, it's... I mean, it's it's circumstantial, right? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you've got 10 seconds to come up with a fake last name that starts with an R. Go. Rogers. Great. James Rogers. Great. Uh, uh, that's obviously in reference to Kate Blanchett, uh, him being in the R section on the boat, uh, nice. trying to figure yeah, out yeah. the last name, um, who she goes under a, a different last name as well because of uh, they're embarrassed about the money that they uh, yeah. that they have associated with their names. Um, as in the textile logue. Yeah. Uh, here's a funny one that I really liked because uh, this, this plays into the Jude Law on the beach with Gwyneth Paltrow and Matt Damon comes up and was like, hey, Dicky, Dicky," And he's like, yeah, when was the last time someone came up to you on tour or in the street and you had no idea who they were? But they're like, James. Fuck. Um, God, I don't know how to answer that without being coming across <laughs> like a really bad person we've been a band for a really really long time and uh this happens more frequently than i would care to admit uh sure just just based on that alone i can't think of a specific instance but um every time it happens i feel like a dreadful dreadful person fair uh okay do me a favor pick a genre of music right now uh what say it out loud just yeah pick a genre of music say it out loud uh let's go for house music so if you're trying to trick someone into thinking you were really into house music, what four <laughs> records would that fell out of your pouch? What would they be? What would the four records be? Fuck. Okay, I think I went too uh, too rogue with my choice on. Um, <laughs> house music. Let's say let's do, okay. Let's do classic prog records. Um, Great. I know that's more within your wheelhouse. Sure. Uh, I would say uh, Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon. Great. Um, I would go with Yes, Close to the Edge fair um maybe something like alan parsons project um what's the one with the triangle on the front of it um, uh it's not self-titled uh i know which one you're talking about yeah uh, that, that i mean that would i would have that in my satchel of records and it would fall out right um Got and, one more. uh maybe like an early genesis record sure uh, so uh selling england by Gabriel. the pound selling england yeah. by the pound perhaps why not? Let's go for it. England by the pounds. Uh, uh, I picked my four jazz would be Miles Davis, Porgy and Bess, Coltrane, a Love Supreme, Bill Evans at the Villain Village Vanguard, and I put in parentheses need a live record in the mix, and then uh, Pat Metheny, Le Letter from Home, perhaps. Uh, 
what would be the really name good of... question really yeah. good question a lot yeah. of fun a lot of fun uh what would the name of your boat be has to be named after a musician <laughs> uh the name of the boat would be let's call it mike hey i like it uh that's <laughs> true yeah. um uh okay this this is maybe my favorite question that i've ever concocted for this thing oh my god uh, you're absolutely losing it in a less listening booth in a record store and scream <laughs> mike you've got to hear this what's being played in the headphones oh my god <laughs> Oh, that is so, so good. Um, to be honest, that's one of those scenes. You know how there's like um, loads of memes and it's always like cut to completely inappropriate music. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I would love to like hear, like, you know, there's like the one and it's an episode of Friends and he puts the music on and uh, yeah, I've seen that done a lot. I'm trying to think of another one. Mm -hmm. But um, I would love it for them to be listening to, I don't know, something really entry like, 43 percent burnt by dillinger sure, like sure like, yeah like you've got to hear this and just like, yeah that's good that's good also it that scene made me nostalgic for not that record stores are like out like video stores are but it does yeah. make me just like man you know what i love being in a record store for three hours um i mean that is one of my early record store memories is going to the front with cds and them having like a cd player you could listen to stuff on i love it i love it Bye. um all right, just three more and they'll be quick. Could okay. Kate Blan could Kate Blanchett drag you to the opera? Yes. Yeah, it's fair. Uh and and I put as a little note here, I'm imagining all the lads in one of those opera boxes going absolutely nuts. Yeah, sure. Chanting football songs, everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh if you killed me and assumed if you killed me on a boat and assumed my identity, would you wear my rings? Yes. Because I've got I've got like so. a couple skull rings. Um, yeah, it's yeah. all part of it. Like he's obsessed yep. with the guy and wants to take on the identity. All right, one last question. This is what we'll end with. Everybody should have one talent. What's yours? Um, it, what is my talent? Uh, impressions, forging signatures. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think I do. I think I do okay impressions. I'll Good. say that. Yeah. Uh, your American impression is still one of my favorite things in the world. Uh. Hello, I'd like to use my credit card to buy this cheeseburger or whatever it was. Um, we'll we'll save it for the next step. James, this was uh, so much fun. We'll do another. We'll we'll see you on the Juicies and we'll do another one. Maybe we'll do an in-person one for whatever the next movie that we choose to do uh, together is. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks very much. James, you're the best. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.